0: coming I am a professional medium and a channel for my guides. And today I have Victoria Shaw. She's an intuitive counselor and coach. And thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you too. I was looking at your website and what you do, I think is pretty fascinating. One of the things that I really like to focus on is reclaiming our inner authority as like human beings and seizing the reins on our own life and not waiting for other people to give us permission to be who we are. And then with that in mind, I was seeing how you sort of combine counseling and intuition. And I I love that. I think a lot of the times in sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term the woo woo community, the new age spiritual kind of community, they see those two things as like opposing And so I am interested to hear how you thought it was okay to merge those things and then how you help other people by doing it.
1: Those are great questions. I love that. And I love how you say thought it was okay to merge them because, you know, there was very few moments. I mean, it happened naturally and normally for me. And, um, but it's true that a lot of times we think that, you know, the science Mm -hmm. And the spiritual don't go together. But in my mind, they're absolutely perfect complements. And it's just that our society has sort of taught us that, you know, anything out of the box, anything that doesn't come from the mind, anything that is not, you know, in this scientific paradigm must not exist. Uh, But I don't feel that way at all. Yeah. Um, I think they're a natural complement. And, you know, if you look back at all the great innovative um, psychologists... Mm -hmm. And uh, healers and all of those traditions, you will see that many of them talk about intuition. Maybe they don't talk about it, you know, in the total woo-woo out of the box kind of way, but they talk about it. Carl Rogers talks about it. I think even Freud talks about it. So, you know, Freud talks about energy, things like catharsis, releasing energy, like Mm -hmm. he was our first energy psychologist, our energy (laughs) worker, right? Yeah. And of course the whole tradition, if you want to go way back, all healing and helping originally comes back to, you know, shamanic practices, those yep. indigenous ancient practices that we all did where spirit and healing and science were all just one big bundle of love. Yeah. So again, yeah. for me, it makes a lot of sense, but I've been fortunate too, to be guided on my journey and just the way to make all the magical pieces fit together so that they work for me and and they work for the people that, you know, find their way to me.
0: I love that. I particularly think it's interesting how people in this type of community tend to relate to science. Either it's something that they completely throw out and they put it into, into the bin, or they really, like, really wrestle with it. The way that I kind of see science, uh, because I did study a little bit of psychology before I just finally was like, you know what, I just want to do this full-time. But it, So I love how you combine the two. But I, when I was studying like the forefathers of psychology and I'm like oh that was shamanism yeah <laughs> or is that yeah was something like divinely inspired you know for lack of a better term like when when you think outside of the box like that I think really spirituality is just it's just science that we haven't figured out how to define yet and I think that when you define it, and you study it, that's the only thing that makes it science, right? So no, I'm not trying to belittle science because I think it's very useful and helpful, but perhaps just because we haven't titled it or compartmentalized it yet or bagged and tagged it, that, that doesn't mean that it's not useful.
1: Absolutely. And you said a, a bunch of things in there that I, I would love to pick up on. One yeah. is that, yeah, I think a lot of people, You know, especially people that are very intuitive, that are very like the feelers, the empaths, Mm -hmm. you know, in this lifetime and maybe even in others, we have had thought and everyone's probably had this at some point in their life because we're all innately intuitive, right? Where you have this sense of knowing something, you can't explain how you know it and it's correct. And you know, in your bones that it's correct. Yeah. And you know, many of us have those experiences as children. And then you get out there and people in your world say, well, you can't know that. How do you know that you don't know that. And so you mm-hmm. shut it down. And yeah. so I think many people look at science that way too. They feel like the scientists are going to shut me down. This whole way of thinking isn't going to really validate. And so, you know, they turn away from it. Right. And then there's other people that come from a scientific background and in their mind, it can't be both. And, you know, so they grapple with it. Mm -hmm. But then I also think there's a third category of people that recognize that science is a socially constructed entity how we choose to do science, how we choose to understand science. So right now, a lot of the ways that we understand the world is this very materialistic way of understanding the world. This is how many people have done it for hundreds of years. So because of that, you know, scientists will ask the questions that they've socially decided fits the paradigm, fits the way we're viewing things. And also they're going to look at things that don't fit that worldview Mm -hmm. with more skepticism. It's how the mind works. My first career was as a research psychologist. I studied the mind. I studied reasoning. I studied beliefs. This is what I did for a living with science. And I will tell you that people are slow to accept things that stretch them. And so for many people, the woo stretches them. Mm -hmm. There is actually fantastic, scientific, replicatable studies, information of every kind of psychic phenomenon that you can imagine it's there, it's replicatable. It's just that a lot of, you know, the people in charge, and, and it's not a conspiracy. I'm not saying that at all. It's right. just that I was just reading another book on this and, you know, he was quoting scientists. The author was, and I can't remember the name, unfortunately, but the scientist, uh, the author was actually quoting scientists that said like, no amount of of, you know, information, no amount of data could convince me that's true. So right. again, if you come into something with that mindset, you're not gonna see it. But I do believe it's the way of the future. Quantum physics, you know, is starting to point to this idea that everything isn't matter, everything's energy, mm-hmm. everything's consciousness. It's not that our consciousness comes from our brain, it's the other way right. around. Yes. And so not to get all, all geeky, but this is <laughs> this stuff makes me so happy. So there's the third choice is there's no conflict at all. Our science, and I right. think you said this before, our science is just catching up with you know, what our spirituality told us all along.
0: Yeah, no, I love getting geeky. I, it's like a really important, um, I talk about it so much that people are like, what's your degree? And I'm like, I didn't get a degree, but I was so entrenched in scholarly endeavors. that I, I really valued that until I got to the point where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But I think that you really hit upon something that is kind of frustrating to where there will be so much, in front of science to say, Hey, look at this, you know, maybe it seems crazy, but maybe there's something there. And so of course there's um, people who, I mean, if you want to get into aliens, that might be a little bit out there, but there's eyewitnesses to people. And there are so many scientists who, just because there's such a stigma around the topic are very hesitant to even look at the information. And to give it that clear-eyed sort of a, is it or isn't it sort of a thing, I think is what tends to turn people off, or I think this is what it is, is sometimes people in the woo-woo community don't think that they will be not necessarily taken, well, I guess it's taken seriously or taken like they're legitimate and so they will be ridiculed and they're, that's why they're so mistrustful of it. I wish that we could heal that a little bit, you know? Yeah
1: from any of that that comes from past lifetimes as well. But I also feel more and more there's such a shift. I've been doing what I do now for just wow, 11 years. <laughs> and that's such a good number too. So I've been doing it um, you know, professionally. I've been I've been on this uh, on this walk for a little bit longer, but I've actually, you know, been seeing clients since about uh 2010. And you know, when I first started, um, so I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I'm a research psychologist by training. I have a PhD mm-hmm. in psychology. I was all all in to, um, you know, the Western um, experimental paradigm, except I wasn't, which is, which is why <laughs> I left. And, um, then when I started to really tune in and hear my intuition and and tap into, you know, that call of my soul, it led me back and I got my master's of counseling and my master's of counseling is is my clinical degree and, um, loved it. And was blessed to be in a program that really was open to the woo. My very first presentation that I gave was on the chakra system. And, um, my professor was like, you know, led me to believe it's it's gonna sound like a brag. But she's like, wow, that was one of the best presentations on the chakra system I've ever seen. And it's not meant, to, I'm not sharing it for that reason, though I, I do take pride in my work, but because mm-hmm. my my mouth was like, wait, I'm not the first one. Like yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> yes. And it was so I was so excited. I took another class in advanced multicultural um which was basically like a class on shamanism. So I did my first Mm. shamanic journey in a counseling class. So I was blessed to have a program that was open to that. And, you know, I chose counseling because it's a new kid on the block. And so it's a little bit more open-minded. Right. But I also, you know, graduated with this degree in counseling and I wanted to get my license. And so I had to go do these supervised hours. And so I was working for somebody else and I was seeing clients and I was really doing two different things. And I I had my whole um, intuitive work that I'd already been doing, where I was doing readings and coachings for people. And then I had this counseling and, you know, never the two should meet because, you know, I was always using my intuition because we don't sit on our hands, but I wasn't necessarily coming out and giving people readings or saying this comes from the guides or, you know, if a deceased loved one would come into the room, I would be like, Hey, you know, what do you think your deceased loved one would say about this? And of course, like I could facilitate the conversation, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't use those words, but Mm -hmm. fast forward 10 years later. And the bulk of the people that come to me, come to me for both. And they come to me with a great opening for this idea of intuition. They come to me at least curious and Mm -hmm. very few people walk out the door when I do, you know, start to broach those spiritual topics. And and most of them already came for that reason anyway. And I think that, you know, that's, you know, that's a long winded way of saying, I think that there's just so much more open to this openness to this now than there was even 10 years ago.
0: And that's really lovely to hear, because I think that if we could manage to (laughs) have like a database of a bunch of intuitive counselors, I think that That would be so helpful. It's sort of like um, having counselors that are also, um, they blend their Christianity into what they do as well. And I think that that actually makes you feel more safe to go to a counselor like that. And it's funny, as you were saying, like when someone's past loved one pops in, I think it's such a kind of like a beautiful job to facilitate that kind of healing. But do you perhaps think that counselors who aren't necessarily also trained in like have trained their intuition. Are they also facilitating that, but they're probably just nu- using the language oh, that you would that use? question. I mean,
1: I think that they may or may not be. It sort of depends. You know, you as a medium know that's one that we all have access to, but definitely to varying degrees that it comes naturally mm-hmm. to you if you're not if you're not trying. Um, but my guides are saying, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you lead me to something that I really truly believe. And that is anyone who's doing any kind of helping or healing work well, and really any kind of anything that you're going to do while well, you're tapping into your intuition, because that's where all the gold is. And so great artists, great writers, great business people, great visionaries, and very definitely great healers, and helpers are using their intuition. And, you know, for me, it's more when I work with someone in those fields that, you know, is not like you and not just, you know, wearing it on their sleeve, but wanting to dig in deeper and awaken that more. Mm -hmm. It's about showing them where their intuition is always happening for already happening for them, because it is, and then also helping them get out of their head. Because as you know, our mind is the greatest way to block our intuition.
0: Yes. And I was actually going to ask you about that coming from such um, a scientific background. Did you find it, I guess, difficult or a little sluggish to sort of really dive into your intuition like that? Did you have to work through beliefs and blocks or...
1: So for me, intuition was always there for me. I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what it was, but I can look back in my life and I was always highly intuitive and people would Mm -hmm. always say, wow, that was really insightful for a 10 year old. Or I remember writing um, papers in high school. I was absolutely tuning. I was blessed to go to a high school that was pretty free. And I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. But, you know, I remember writing a paper on Franz Kafka and my teacher saying, oh, my God, that's brilliant. And I just read the guy. I, I, I mean, I don't realize I look back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was reading him like, you know, so, you know, those are my gifts. They've always been there. And even uh-huh. when I was in college, I always felt like I had this ability to go right to the edge of words, cross over and then come back. Uh-huh. And so. You know, I pursued a philosophy major for that reason as my second major, because um, they were much more amenable to my doing that and I missed it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realized now, again, that was my intuition that's going beyond and pulling in. And so it's always been a part of me. I think as I went, you know, past college into grad school along my training, I lost it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I sort of said, hey, this isn't for me anymore because it's not feeding my soul but it's always been there. And then for me, you know, the journey to awakening my intuition was about coming home and, you know, recognizing how valuable it was. But I also can say, yeah, I'm a, I was a thinky person. I was trained to always be in my head. You know, Mm -hmm. I went to an Ivy league. I, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so there's also been this creating space to, learn to let go of the plans, learn to quiet the mind and learn to know that, that incredible knowledge base that I have and the intellect that I worked my butt off to develop, Mm -hmm. um, is always secondary to my intuition. It's a great tool. I use Mm -hmm. it. I love it. I'm so glad I have it, but, you know, intuition first, and then, you know, my intuition will use my intellect as it, as it sees fit.
0: Yeah, that is, um, kind of a lesson that I had to learn as well, that my intellect when I finally got into this, I'm like, do I have to throw all this out? All this time and energy that I spent like sharpening the blade of my mind. And no. my guys are like, it's a tool. We will use that to communicate with you. And I was like, well, thank God, because yep. that would have felt like a waste. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And then it, it's funny that you mentioned like writing papers when I, I think I, when I was in eighth grade, I wrote a paper on Nostradamus. And so oh, now that you <laughs> Now that you mentioned that, go. I was like, ding, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah.
1: It was totally, I looked back and I was like, oh, that's what I was doing. Okay.
0: Yeah. There it's funny how you'll look for little outlets and anything that you're doing to really express who you are, exactly. no matter how trapped you may think you feel. And then another right. thing that I wanted to hit on is that I think that people like you are such a great example of how the two opposing sides as we see them can really be married up and uh, like sort of expressed in such a heart-based way so that it sort of heals that rift that I think that we're especially now kind of creating in this sort of new age community and to see that these two things can be combined and we don't need to fear one just like one doesn't need to fear the other I think that's a really great
1: yeah, no, it's so important. And I really do believe they can be in harmony. And look, there's always going to be people out there that don't see the world that you the way that you do. And there's mm-hmm. always going to be people out there that are lost in all sorts of different levels of confusion <laughs> that you may have outgrown already.
0: Sure. And
1: there's always going to be people out there that are going to be threatened by your truth, or maybe not, but there might be I don't want to yeah. say always on that one. <laughs> but there might be, mm-hmm. and it's okay, and you're safe. And you're okay. And, you know, more and more, just find the people that resonate with you. And don't, you know, you don't have to, it's ego that tells us we have to convince the enemy that we're right. You know, that's just, ego. Yeah. but it's better to trust in your own inner wisdom. Like you said, trust in your own connection and your authenticity. And then more and more, you'll just start to allow in people that validate that for you and jive with that because they're going to be drawn to you because that's what you're putting out. And they, they feel the same
0: way. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I I do wonder, especially coming from like a counselor sort of position, how do you help someone determine whether or not they are sort of like lost in the ethers and they're sort of just kind of lying to themselves a little bit, using it as escapism rather than seeing like the, I guess the truth in front of them that they perhaps don't want to see?
1: Ah. So, you asked a lot of questions in there. So, let me see if I can (laughs) hone in on one of those, but they're all really good. I mean, you know, as a counselor and as an intuitive, and all the other things that I am and do you know, you can feel the energy so you can feel into it. So Mm -hmm. I can feel, you know, when someone's just talking and they're not, you know, really present, they're not really aware, they're just in their stories. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I can guide people, you know, sometimes people like to do that for a while to get it, to vent it out. But, you know, then we, we get below that, Um, But I also think, and I'm not sure if this is the question you're asking, so stop me if it is, but there is that feeling too of, you know, can we become ungrounded? Can we become so intuitive that, you know, maybe it's not functional and it's not helpful? Mm -hmm. And I think that was my story. In a lot of ways, before I awakened to my intuition, I was one of those people that was just every channel was turned on all the good ones and and the not so good ones. And, you know, obviously, if you tried to watch TV with all the channels turned on at once, you would see a bunch of noise. right? Right. Yeah. And so for me, it was learning to turn down you know, a lot of that information so I could just hone in and focus on what was important and what was right. So it was about having good energetic boundaries and also just learning, you know, how to tune into those right channels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people that have various mental illnesses, you know, and I don't love that word, but people right. who, you know, are, well, I'll, just, I'll leave it for now. You know, sometimes too, that they might be plugged into the wrong channels. They might not be integrated, grounded. They might not, you know, sometimes we just don't have, we all need that sense of self in the spiritual community We talk about ego being the worst thing ever, but you kind of need an integrated sense of self to be here, you know, Mm -hmm. in the first place. And so definitely don't get lost in it. A lot of us are transcending this idea that all you are is your small human personality, but there are some people out there that don't have an integrated sense of self. And, you know, so these right. kind of things that we work with. So does that answer your question?
0: That does. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you actually brought up something that I did not expect to talk about, but, um, part of my work is sort of healing our relationship with the ego, because I think it's actually part of the human experience to integrate your ego into a higher perspective. Oh you my know? God. I love that. Yeah, I think that it's really important that we don't demonize the ego and instead take it with us when we grow, because I think that that is part of what makes us unique. I like to say that, you know, we can tell the difference between the Buddha and Jesus and, you know, because they have individuality in some way. Right. So it was useful to them. So we may as well use ours. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you when
1: your spirit chose to come into human form and when your spirit chose to differentiate from the one thing, the all that is, it did so for a purpose. And so you can recognize that it's true that you're everything, Mm -hmm. it's also true that you're not, right? Because that's that's (laughs) the illusion. And so your individuality, your uniqueness, your perspective are golden. It's what you're here to do and express. Yeah. Right. Yes, and even your human self is here—that container that you slip into when you become human again. That personality, that is whoever you think you are in this lifetime, or maybe you're starting to realize that you're more than that, which is grand. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it's all here to serve you. It's all part of yeah. what you agree to, and it's all part of the learning and growth. And you know, the trick is more and more we we align with you know that bigger part of ourselves while also still walking the talk of being human.
0: So right. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it is. It's fun. Well, the other thing that you were talking about integrating um, and grounding, and for some reason I was thinking about boundaries. Do you find that people who are very ungrounded, that they perhaps have sort of poor boundaries and they're maybe listening to channels that they don't need to be listening to?
1: Yeah, I'm nodding. And then I realized that, <laughs> that
0: won't
1: work for the audio. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, a big thing for me was to learn to get grounded and centered uh-huh. in my own energy. And, you know, even to this day, you know, sometimes I need a lot of alone time. I'm I'm having a little alone journey right now because I'm one of those people. I feel into other people, especially the ones close to me that I love. They Mm -hmm. may not be at the same level of awareness that I am. They may not, or they might just, be different, you know, like mm-hmm. having a different perspective, different feel. So, you know, I know when it's important for me to come home to myself, in my own energy, being my own vibration and, and, and sort of let go. Cause a lot of times we're influenced by other people energetically and we don't even know that's what's going on, especially yeah. the real empaths and people that maybe have grown up with that kind of pleaser mentality. Mm-hmm. And so it's important, you know, to learn how to get back to your own energy and get back grounded and centered.
0: One of the words that I really, I took away from my brief study of psychology and I take with me is like locus of control. Do you Mm. have like an inner or an outer locus of control? And for me, that was like, oh crap, I have poor boundaries because I have an outer locus of control. Like, I think everything else controls what I do. And that was part of my healing journey. It was not that long ago when I learned it and I thought, I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. And I was like, no, I'm not, (laughs) you know, like, I love that so much.
1: I love that so much. Yeah. that is really powerful. I've never put those two things together that way. Like you did, but that's just brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) And it's that sense that so many of us feel that the world is happening Mm -hmm. to you and that you have to go out there and control everybody else and everything else. So you can be safe when in fact you control your reaction to what's going on. You don't, you, you, no matter how, how much you think you can do, pleasing and getting into other people's brains and getting them to cooperate, it ain't going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and tell me if you agree when you're, when you identify as someone who's an empath and you're like putting your feelers out and you're like trying to drill into everyone's energy to figure out what's going on and how they feel and how you should feel. To Um, me, that's very much like you may feel like you're really internal, but my experience was that I was like, oh, I'm so focused on everybody else's experience that I'm too afraid to have my own and to sort of put myself and have my own authentic experience.
1: I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think, and I think this is even sometimes true of yours truly. So I try to like be aware on this one (laughs) is that, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you feel like, oh, it's easier if I go do my work in in their energy, but it's not, and don't, it's not a good idea. And, (laughs) you know, it can be distracting, I guess, to worry about everyone else. But again, you know, if we don't have a strong foundation within ourselves, then we're not going to be of service to others anyway. And I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that, you know, my first and foremost, I feel that deep call to serve, so I know yeah. I got to serve serve myself first because yeah. that's, that's how we, um, you know, get to that place where we can be of service to others.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love how you said, I want to do my work in someone else's energy. Yeah, I think that we do that a lot. Oh, so all much. the
1: time all the time. And people don't even realize that they're doing it. They're like, I have to make my daughter feel better so I can feel safe. Oh, my mother, you know, she's in my house and she's, I feel so overwhelmed. She's driving me crazy. I have to get her to do that. So I feel safe. And it's Mm -hmm. like, none of those things will help you feel safe because you can't control any of those things. And you can try to please people, or you can try to manipulate people, or you can try but you're just going to spread out your energy all over the place and it's still not going to work and you're going to feel depleted when really what <laughs> it takes to feel safe is to get, move inside of yourself, Ah, you know, figure out what you need and then take appropriate action.
0: Mm-hmm. I found that when I was sort of doing my own work into trying to like switch my locus of control, I was having a really hard time feeling as if any action could be taken when I was really focused on being in my own energy, if that makes sense. Like I was right. really worried about, well, everything else will fall apart if I'm yeah. not, if I don't have my fingers and everything.
1: You yeah. Know? That's your, that's, that's your conditioning, my friend. I don't know if yeah. you, you already yeah. probably know, I don't know if you want yeah. a reading on this phone call, but yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people have that experience, right? Yeah. We, mm-hmm. And this is not speaking to you now. This is just generic, right. um, general. So If we say grow up in a household where, you know, everything's a little chaotic and we're Mm -hmm. the peacekeeper and we're the one, you know, or we have a slightly higher level of awareness than our other family members so that we feel like we can see what they can't see. We -hmm. can get in the habit early on of thinking that it's our job to, Uh you know, be plugging all the holes in the ship or taking care of everybody else or, and so we just learn it. You get to adulthood and you think that my survival depends on everybody else being okay and me making sure of it but in fact, it does not. Um, and so it's good to yeah. be aware of that programming so that you can start to gently undo it and find a new way.
0: Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out because I didn't think about it that way, that it was conditioning, but yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, I've yeah. been trying to like consciously be like, Hey, I don't control the world. <laughs> yeah. Let's get rid of that God complex sort of a thing. Yeah.
1: And I love how you say it that way too. Cause a lot of times too, you know, I will point that out gently to people like, you know, and to myself, every time I finish with a client, I have a little bit, not every time, but sometimes I, I sometimes have a little bit of this. Am I enough syndrome where, you know, you finish the session, the 45 minutes and, you know, you can think of 25 more things that you can do and you think, oh, well, I should, you know, I didn't do everything. And then mm-hmm. I remember, wait, it's not all on me i only have to deliver whatever the guidance has given me in these you know 45 minutes and then yeah. there are a million other people in the world as well as my client themselves right that can can pick up where i put the weight down that and that over-giving giving tends to be a little bit of like reverse grandiosity, where we forget that we don't have to do everything. Yes. This whole big wide world and whatever we provide is more than enough. And it should always be aligned with what feels right and good and,
0: and spiritually guided for us to contribute. Mm, I like that. That takes so much pressure off a person you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to think yeah. that I don't have to single-handedly save everything.
1: <laughs> exactly. Because so yeah. many people, again, have that conditioning. And, yeah. you know, when you're a kiddo, you really do feel right. The caregivers, the, the people in your life, that's your your security and safety. Mm-hmm. And so if they're off in any way and you have that, you know, intuitive or empathetic ability to help them fix them, it's just natural and normal to want to go there. Right. And, you know, it's misguided, but, you know, that's your sense of survival. And then a lot of us when we become adulthood, adults, you know, we're, that's not necessary anymore. You got your own inner adult. You can you can take care of things, but, you know, you've already developed that kind of programming and that sort of way of viewing things. And so, you know, it's good to become aware so you can undo those habits and remember again. And I work with a lot of kids too. So sometimes I give them the 411, you know, before <laughs> before they get to adulthood. Yes. Yeah mommy and daddy's welfare is not their job or all of their friends or their siblings or their grandma or that person they read about in the magazine, you know? Right. Yeah. Kind-hearted souls sometimes forget that.
0: Yeah. That must be so hard to break it to a kid. Like you're lovely, but it's not all your, all your responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: children are naturally egotistical. So That's what they think. That's why if you've ever heard when people, parents divorce and Mm -hmm. the one piece of advice is always tell your kids it's not their fault. And parents will say to me, well, they know that. And I'm like, they don't know that because kids are wired. Whenever something goes wrong, they think it's, you know, they personalize it. That's what we all do on some level, you Mm -hmm. know, until we learn not to, but kids do it, you know, full on. And right. so, you know, that's your inner child thinks everything that went wrong in their life is their fault and their responsibility. And then your inner adult gets to say, wait, wait, no, hang <laughs> on, let's, let's, let me show you a different way.
0: Yeah. When you say that, are you're I'm sure familiar with the term you create your reality. Yeah. And taking into consideration how kids believe that they are solely responsible for everything that happens in their, in their world. Do you find that it's, it's the, you create your reality belief. Do you find it's sort of, I don't know the right word I'm looking for, not necessarily spiritual bypassing in a, in, I guess in this context, but do you know what I'm trying to say? No,
1: you create your own reality is really tricky. And Mm -hmm. I'm actually teaching a whole class on this right now in my Facebook group. So it's really funny that you bring that up because there's so many around the law of attraction and that idea. There's so many ways when our mind and our ego and our human confusion can come in and mess that sucker up. And yeah you know, and spiritual bypassing definitely happens around this one. You know, we, the way that I look at it, and I hope this answers the question, I'm trying to get this from my guides as well, is the first part of your life is usually, and this may be shifting, but up until now, those of Mm -hmm. us in adulthood now, the first part of your life is where you learn, you know, all of your conditioning and all of your limits and all of the stories. And the second part of your life is when you get an opportunity, if you so choose, and, and you have a level of awareness to accomplish that, to undo it all and to see through it right. and to grow through it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kids more than adults are kind of like sponges and they're just kind of like taking it all in and kind of, you know, developing the curriculum that they will live during adulthood. Right. Kids to manifest. Sure. We all manifest the law of attraction is actually the fact of life. What you put out energetically is what you get, get back. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not so simple because first of all, it's not you, it's your, you know, it's, it is you, but you know, there's lots of different yous out there. There's your highest spiritual self. There's your unconsciousness. There's your consciousness. There's your personality. Mm-hmm. There's your ego. Some of these may or may not overlap. And so sometimes in spiritual teachings, we get confused about what you, we mean. Right. Um, right. So on the highest level, you're always choosing whenever something happens, you're choosing, you're agreeing to it because you're here. Right. And so you are agreeing, or you would not be having that experience, but that doesn't mean that your human self likes that experience very much. And it even doesn't mean it'll be helpful to tell someone, well, you created this. So deal with it. Cause Mm -hmm. no, we, you know, in human form, we create all the time, but we don't, we don't know all the, it's like, you know, if you were Superman and you're flying around with the Cape, but you don't know how to use it, you're going to bump into a lot of stuff and, you know, on earth, we're blindfolded too. So we got the Cape, but we're blindfolded and we're bumping into stuff. And that's sort of like how life works. Does that yeah. make sense?
0: No, it does. It makes a lot of sense. I was um, wondering if you thought that there was any sort of connection between kids almost being like fresh out of the oven, so to speak, and sort of being very connected to that idea of creating their own reality. Uh, yes. And then seeing mom oh, and dad. I see right what now. you're saying.
1: Yes, absolutely. A lot of times I'll see with kids that they have this innate spiritual knowing. hmm but again, when they get into human form, that innate right. spiritual knowing quickly, you know, can become confused. And so, yeah, they understand. Yeah, I, I'm i responsible for all of the story that I'm experiencing. So I guess their human self kicks in and says, well, I guess I have to try to control everything then.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Makes-
1: and I see that all the time. I see that sometimes when I do readings, like. I'll see sometimes even past lives, like I'll see a mother and child, right. And say in a past lifetime, they had a different relationship and the child remembers that. And so they think they're the mom in the, you know, in the scenario, mm-hmm. all, there's all sorts of like overlays for what we know, but, you know, there's also a lot of confusions that, you know, we, we fall into right out of the gate because that's, that's how life trains
0: us. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that was actually, yeah, that was a great something- question. I had never considered that before we had this conversation because kids are so connected, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I was always also thinking, because I was thinking about the term you create your reality and how it's, it's gotten a lot of flack for being spiritual bypassing. And I'm like, I get that really to an extent, but I think it really becomes uh spiritual bypassing when you're using it to shame someone for the yes, experience ma'am. that they've had. And I'm like, that's not useful. Like yeah. I think it's supposed to be a tool for liberation. And absolutely. You, yeah.
1: Yeah, and no, Absolutely. And, you know, those are words that I use gently mm-hmm. and um, carefully and at the right time in the right place because it can feel shaming and it can feel shaming to yourself, right? It can okay. feel like this terrible thing, you know, has happened to me or I'm sick or that, you know, so it must be my fault. I did something wrong. You did nothing wrong. This is how life is working. And, you know, when your spirit decides to come into a body, you know, the probabilities of all the things that you've learned and all the things that you're going to be exposed to and how they're going to get stuck in your unconscious mind. And, and a lot of that is what we create our reality from. Mm -hmm. And so you might not even be conscious about how you're drawing things to you into your life. And then part of the game is to become more conscious, but part of the game is also to be chill with what is, because again, you're so new that you are gonna most likely have that experience anyway. So it doesn't mean that you can exert more control from or it's surrender really, but yeah. more awareness and 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 align more with that deep process of life by understanding that we do attract into our space that which we put out because i love to look at my life and go oh i wonder what i put out to attract that how interesting like i'd like to explore that but there's also times when something happens and you're like damn i don't like this and 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 you know be human for god's sakes life yeah. life can be really challenging
0: yeah i like how the way that you say that it it sort of gives us the opportunity to give ourselves the forgiveness instead of shaming us for not Seeing everything that we want to be seeing manifested in our life or experiencing something we didn't want to, because we're spinning a lot of plates and we don't even know that we're doing it most of the time. Right. Yeah. And, you know,
1: some things are going to be easier to manifest than others just based on what you came in with, what you've learned, what you've, you know, and some areas might be a little trickier and and that's fine. And sometimes too, you get something out of left field because your soul spirit knows what it's here to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever's happening in life what I always recommend is, you know, greet it with the most awareness that you can muster. And awareness is not judgment, shame, right? It's Mm -hmm. compassion, you know, treat it with compassion, even if you don't feel so compassionate, you know, (laughs) be compassionate with the part of you that doesn't feel compassionate, whatever, but that's, that's the way we learn, grow and transform.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I also really think that everything that we've been talking about, Picking up on those unconscious beliefs and, you know, making sure we don't blame ourselves and shame ourselves. It's all very, we're putting it in a woo-woo context, but to me, it also seems very much like some of the foundational principles of like psychology and stuff, Yeah, unconscious beliefs. And, and I mean, that. I think
1: it's definitely there. I mean, it's funny because the, the two things that I was drawn to studying when I was in the cognitive psychology world, I mean, aside from the big questions, like what is consciousness and the mind brain connection, and <laughs> I still love all of that stuff, it lights, yeah. it lights up my life, but was implicit memory. So that's all of the memories and the unconscious stuff that really decides most of our experience of the world. And so, you know, a lot of the decisions you make and the actions you take are actually, you think that you made a decision, but really it's just a lot of your conditioning, a reaction to the environment based on, on what happened before and what you believe based on what you were taught. And so a lot of it is really unconscious. When we say in the spiritual community, people are mostly unconscious, it is correct and change that. But that's just mostly we, we pattern match. That's how the mind works. So the first thing that I did was studying implicit memory. So it's so funny now. And then the second thing I did was studying how people reason in their belief systems, which is also similar, right? We mostly just, you have a sense of what you think is true and correct. And you mostly just look for more evidence that that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so that makes beliefs a little hard to shift because you're always looking for that confirming evidence. And it takes a lot of disconfirming evidence for you to go, oh, wait, this is not making sense. Yes. Um, Whereas when you, you know, let go of the mind and use it as a tool and use your intuition more, it's just so much faster. Learning is faster. Growth is faster. Awakening is faster because it'll just take you right where you need to go. You don't have to do all that mental work and you don't have to worry about, you know, um, figuring out if everything you've been told is go left and all of a sudden your intuition tells you to go right, your mind would never get you there or it would get you there, but it would take forever. But your intuition will go, no, look over here. Yes. And, and that's why it's just such a beautiful gift. And usually the great thing about mind is once you look over there in the other direction and it works out, your mind will immediately fill in the gap and explain why that's why that's the right answer anyway. <laughs> but you couldn't have gotten there through mind, like through right. mind. It'll take you like a thousand years, but with intuition, mm-hmm. boom, you're there. And then the mind will help you understand why you got there.
0: Mm, I love that. If that makes sense. Yeah, in a big way. You were talking about confirmation bias as a term of, to me, when I see someone scrambling for confirmation bias, they're desperately looking for a way to confirm that everything around them is solid, real and true, and they can build a foundation on it. And to me, that's just a really like an unsustainable way to practice grounding, because it seems to me like they're really looking for safety and security and they're trying to look for it an outside uh, guideposts.
1: And And we all do it. It's how the mind works. Mm -hmm. It is how we develop our sense of self and our sense of reality by just constantly maintaining the status quo. Things will change. Beliefs will change. It just takes a huge whack over the head to break stuff (laughs) down when you're like at that level, right? And that's why intuition is nice because sometimes, not always, but sometimes it will save you the handle on your head where you're just like, you know, everything falls apart and you're like, now I'm ready to look at something new. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes that's what it takes in the human world because, you know, we are just, we get so stuck on our path because it does, that's where we gain our our safety and security and, you know, from the known, from the familiar. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that says you should always just be jumping off cliffs and, and, you know, looking for a new experience either. Cause like comfort is fine. Just, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of those people, even, you know, you hear this, like, get out of your comfort zone, get out of, I mean, that can be really jarring and unhealthy for people. It's okay to be comfortable. It's just, you know, like some, but sometimes we need to be, know how to get a little uncomfortable so that we can grow. And you always want to couch that in, you know, you don't always, I mean, sometimes you really just do need everything to fall apart to, you know, the Phoenix situation, but oftentimes you don't. Oftentimes it's just, you know, be willing to, um, Even question what is going to bring you comfort because, right? Sometimes we think I need X, Y, and Z to be in my life because that's what brings me comfort now. And if I let go of those things and do something else, like everything's going to fall apart. Where in fact, if you follow your intuition and you do those other things, oh my God, you're going to feel way more comfortable. Just, you know, you didn't even know what was possible. Yeah. Right. Yes. So it's not about being uncomfortable for the sake. You don't have to, you know, take all your clothes off and go sleep, you know, on an iceberg. (laughs) Um, you know, that's just dumb, but it's just about understanding, you know, that sometimes we need to stretch our comfort zone just a little bit so we can
0: experience new possibilities. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. There was a time in my life, a good chunk of it, where I probably would have been diagnosed with like depression and anxiety. And I was so used to being uncomfortable that it took me a while to realize that Because I was always of the mindset that to grow, you need to be uncomfortable, you know? And I was like, well, I don't want to be stuck in this. I guess I need to grow and be uncomfortable. And I'm like, I had to be like, I'm already uncomfortable, you know? Maybe I should try being comfortable. What is that yeah, even? Like? I
1: love that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The problem with any spiritual teaching is that most people hear it with their minds right. and our minds are big fat booby traps. <laughs> and so like there's a thousand ways to misinterpret everything. And, you know, so it's really like I always tell people with spiritual teachings, try to listen with a soft mind, try to just mm-hmm. let it come to you, try not to overthink it. And mm-hmm. if it's making you feel worse, you're probably not hearing it right.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. If it's making you feel worse, you're probably not hearing it right.
1: Right. Or whoever's telling you is what they're telling you is not good information to begin with. Because let's admit (laughs) that everyone who says they're, they're saying something spiritually true is going to resonate with you or be helpful for you or maybe not anyone. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, I remember the other thing I was going to say, we were talking about memory. And it's interesting, before I sort of got into the flexibility of time and whatnot, I was listening to a psychologist tell me about how, like, we don't remember everything correctly. Every time that we remember something, we're remembering the last time we remembered it. Yes, and so reconstructive. Yeah. And I was like, what, you know? And so it's kind of like how, when people get on the stand and they tell completely, they swear on the Bible and they tell completely different stories. And they're like, they're, that's how I remember it. It's because they remembered right. the remembering. Yes.
1: Cause memory yeah. is constructive. And so yes, it's a hundred percent accurate yeah. that that is a thing.
0: And that um, I remember that for reeking me out. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> is anything because well, really- you lose when you think of it that way, you realize
1: how tenuous your sense of identity is, right? Everything ah. that you remember is a story that you've told yourself. Yes. Again and again from different ways. It's also beautiful because you can start to edit that story and change yeah. that story and shift that story, which is magical, or just say, I don't need that story at all, which is even better. Yes. But yeah, our memory is 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 not only fallible, but it's not, it's not um a one-to-one historical mm-hmm. recording, right? And, then, and I do think that on some level we can tap into, again, everything Everything has a perspective. So when you tune in and look at anything, you're always looking at it through a particular lens, through a protect, particular focus, you know, that would be the now. And so mm-hmm. you're always going to perceive it a little bit differently based on that lens. But there are clearer ways to see, right? you know, then, you know, whenever we're very much in our mind, it's, it's going to be less clear than if we're in our intuition and your intuition goes back and, and gives you a perspective or gives you a tap on that history that, you know, is, is relevant for you now. I don't know if that made sense, but. No,
0: it did make sense because as I really got into personal consciousness, delving into what I could do with it and whatnot, I happened upon this teacher who said that you literally, your story, you reconstruct it or you construct it as you need it. So you create a memory as you think that you need that. And that to me was like, that's the same concept that we're talking about here. Yeah. Reconstructive memory and like Mm -hmm. sort of uh, building your own timeline, how time is not fluid, telling your own story and going back and like changing the story. And, you know, if you don't like your past, give yourself a new one, jump a different time. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And we also have cellular memory. So there's a lot that your body knows and your energy knows that your brain is trying to interpret. Mm -hmm. Right. And it may or may not be doing a good accurate job of that. So we have memories for things that, you know, we don't even know. I've had people remember birth or in utero or things that, you know, at the time of having them, they didn't have words to describe them. Your body knows. And so that can be, you know, a, a feeling, a sensation, that as well. So it's just okay. the mind that's the story creator.
0: Oh, I love that. It's just the mind. But that's
1: its job, right? Yeah. To interpret stuff. That's that's what it's good at.
0: And so cellular memory, do you think that that has a lot to do with, I guess, how epigenetics could be considered ancestral Memory,
1: yes. or kind of. Yes, and epigenetics is the idea that you know our traumas and our learning follows through the family line based on your G- DNA, and that mm-hmm. trauma and things that we have in this lifetime actually alters the DNA in such a way that stuff will get passed down. Which also means that you can you know repair it too. So yeah. you can, you know, if you've had you know a a five generation cycle of child abuse, say, or. Um, and and you're the generation that says, no, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to transcend this. I'm going to get past that. it actually corrects. It goes all the way back and smooths out that energy. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. And I think we'll discover that more and more as we understand sort of that link between our energetic being and our, our DNA and our biology, which
0: we will. Victoria, this was a lovely, lovely conversation. Thank you so much for having it with me. Do you want to tell everybody? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a great time. Do you want to tell everyone where to find you and how to work with you?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. So you can find me in a lot of different places. My website is victoriashawintuitive.com. So that's real easy, victoriashawintuitive.com. I'm also on Instagram at Victoria Intuitive, on Facebook, Victoria Shaw Intuitive Counseling. I have a podcast, uh, Intuitive Connection where I talk about all this good stuff and have amazing guests as well. So that is another resource. And I have a Facebook group, Intuitive Connection Community where I do a lot of free teachings and readings and meditation. And we also just hang and talk about intuition and spirituality. Um, I work with people one-on-one all over the world and um, by phone or video. So that is always an option. You can find out all about that for my website. And I also do a lot of teachings. I have some classes, self-paced classes on my website. Um, and I also do live teachings from time to time. So if any of that interests you, I would definitely get on my mailing list, which you can also do from my website. I also on the website have a, what is your spiritual superpower quiz? So that is another fun fact about me if you want to check that out.
0: That all sounds really amazing. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us, Victoria. It has been a pleasure and um, we'll stop here. We'll talk forever.
1: (laughs) I I, I agree. Well, we might have to continue this conversation on my podcast.
0: Oh, that would be fun. (laughs) All right. Bye everyone. Thank you so much.